Hola y bienvenidos to Cipota Colochasas podcast. I am your host, Katia Quesada. Join me in the space where we talk about everything and anything that affects nuestra comunidad latina y de habla hispana. Aquí rompemos con los tabús and we connect with others who are not only making a positive change within themselves, but they're also inspiring others in nuestra comunidad. Thank you for joining me in this space and let's dive into today's episode. Bienvenidos to another episode here on Cipota Colocha Says. I am joined by a guest, a very special guest. I'm very excited because we're going to get down to the nitty gritty when it comes to working with a business coach. I am joined by Beatriz Rivera, who also has her very own podcast. Beatriz, thank you so much for joining me. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Another Salvi. This is like I have yes. another selfie on the podcast. Yeah. Salvadoreñas Unidas. This is like interesting how it's just kind of turning to play out that way. But for everyone who is listening, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yes. Well, my name is Beatriz Rivera. I go by Bia. My closest family calls me Betty. Close friends call me Betty. So I feel like I have a lot of nicknames. And I am an entrepreneur coach for women of color, BIPOC, and queer entrepreneurs who own small businesses. I am a former social worker. I got my degree in social work in, uh, in social enterprise administration at Columbia University. And I transitioned over to being a full-time entrepreneur coach. And now I own my own coaching business. And I, as you mentioned, I am also the host of a new podcast, which I recently started back in June, called the Be A Boss Coaching Podcast, where I share my own journey as a new coach, as a new business owner, and I share in the journey of other women of color, BIPOC, and queer small business owners. And... My aim is to learn from their stories and have other people learn from their stories and their journeys because entrepreneurship can be, as I have learned and have come to realize and also appreciate, it can be a very roller coaster type of journey. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to start this podcast, one, because I was, I've always been into podcasts. And finally, this new journey and this new, this coaching business that I started really gave me that opportunity. I saw it as an opportunity for me to finally start a podcast that I've always wanted to start, have a topic that I want to talk about, and also to build community and to really connect with a lot of people across the board and not just business owners, but other people also who share their stories in general. There's so much power in sharing of stories. So, so much power. And it also um, adds a nod to a ancestral practice. I think we're all right now in the um, recalling, reconnecting, rediscovering our ancestral practice, which a lot of it is based in building community and oral tradition. And podcast is like a great way to do that, where we sit down and are able to have 
of flowing conversation and just share knowledge, which is wonderful. Um, One of the things that I wanted to ask uh, you right from the beginning, how was that transition from working, you know, corporate America to now fully going into your very own business? What was that like for you? It was scary. It was terrifying. It was those two are the words that are coming to my brain right now. When I decided to start my business, I was a social worker. So I used to work at the hospital, uh, a big hospital in New York City. And I was a social worker, so I was on a very traditional path within the social work field. I worked in healthcare and I worked with patients. And I truly enjoyed working with my patients. I actually really loved my job. And I did see an opportunity within my department to get promoted to administrative manager. So that's how I rose up that ladder, which when that opportunity opened up and I knew I wanted to see what was next for me in in my career, I decided to go for that opportunity. And because I had an emphasis within my social work degree and in my program as uh, within social enterprise, meaning a lot of the social work education I received was mostly focused on administration, on programming, evaluation, and a lot of macro type of social work, I decided to go for that opportunity. And that was the first time that I actually had a team and had my own team that I supervised. I had a very small team. And it was the first time that I was put in a position where I was a leader in a very formal corporate type of setting and role. And it was really scary at first. And I remember actually that happening. And I remember this very vividly because it was right before the pandemic. I think now because of this pandemic, we will see time as post before pandemic and after pandemic, like now we will see sort of like, we'll we'll think of time as that. And so right before the pandemic, I got promoted in 2019 around November. And it was taking me some time to get used to the idea of me leading and being a supervisor. And I was getting comfortable with that. And thankfully, I had a supervisor who was very supportive and really brought out my leadership and really nurtured that in me. And when the pandemic hit in March, I was basically, everyone was trying to figure out what to do. We were, we were a healthcare working at the hospital. So it was chaotic in the sense where we were trying to figure out what to do for our patients, but also how do we do our work with such close contact with patients and also knowing we can't really do or have that much contact with patients. So transitioning from, from having systems, having, going to the office, having Mm -hmm. our works in the office, and then 
now staying home, working from our personal laptops and computers and trying to log into a medical record system that's encrypted, obviously. So it was a lot of chaos during that time. And me being the administrative manager and really the only person that was whose job description was the closest to figuring out what that looked like. Yeah, that was very very chaotic for me during that time. I did have a very supportive team, of course, but we were all trying to do our best and figure it out, transition our team over to remote. And that's during that time when I learned how to, what the important uh, the importance was for adapting and having adaptability in your life and having transitions and being good at things that come unexpectedly. And I think that really prepared me for what was later on to come for me to to think about what is next again, because I was, even though we had settled, we had made it su- a successful transition to re- to work remotely. Mm-hmm. I think in my head, I really wanted to, I one, I had time. So I was thinking just about my own, my, my own journey in my financial, where I was financially, because I was thinking about loans. And I think during that time, you know, I was reflecting on the fact that I was very lucky to still have my job and that I worked in healthcare. A lot of people were getting laid off or furloughed during that time. And both me and my partner, who's my husband, he was my, my boyfriend of eight years at that time or seven years at that time we hadn't gotten married. We were both really lucky to have kept our jobs during that very chaotic and uncertain time. And we were saving money. And during that time, I thought about, okay, what do we do with the fact that we are have our jobs? And I had my loans at that time. So I was thinking so much about financial, my financial future. And I learned so much about finances during that time that eventually I came to the idea of starting a business to help out my financial journey and that's around the time that I started to think about starting a business and what that would look like for me and so the transition was very slow I would say it started with this seed of me wanting to figure out my financial future and then coming to this conclusion that I would get there faster, which I don't know if that's true now necessarily, but I would get there faster if I started a business. And eventually in 2021, I decided to to actually pursue that full time. And I we were also transitioning, coming back to LA and I decided to do coaching. So it it was, that was sort of like the overall story and the arc of how I came from being an administrative manager to a new uh, coach and, and business owner. That 
Oh man, you touched on a lot of things that I found myself thinking back on my time during the pandemic because as you, I was considered an essential worker and I was not one of the lucky ones that was able to work from home. It was a weird period for those who are in broadcast or in journalism and work on the projection side. The pandemic was very weird. If we went from having a full newsroom to being downsized to maybe only six of us in in the newsroom, and we had a couple of people who were directing and producing from home, which is something that you never would have imagined was even possible during the pandemic. And I guess we have the pandemic to thank to that. And then we went back to like the (laughs) old model because as certain things, they're better when they're done in person and not like from home, there was a weird delay and all that stuff. So I found myself like remembering and going, oh God, that was just a couple of years ago. And it feels, yeah. I think everyone just kind of went back to normal now that things are opening and people are mingling again. And it's such a weird time warp to think about. You also mentioned something else that was very important, which is finance. I find Mm. that when it comes to finance um, in our community, Latinos uh, in particular, particularly, Finance is one of those weird conversations. There's a weird energy when it comes to finance and perhaps thinking about starting a business. Was that kind of like the little grain of going, I want to help other people that look like me to know that this dream is possible? Yeah, for sure. And I'm glad that you mentioned finance because, oh, I have so many thoughts on awkward finance situations especially within my family I've even seen the dynamics within my family when money and money conversations come to play I have my own stories and experiences around that but definitely was one of those seeds and things that I really for some reason felt so called to when when we were at home and I think it was because it played to this larger problem of businesses going shutting down and a lot of our communities especially black and brown communities and BIPOC communities we have so much power within business and there's so much capital in business that when everything shut down, it just, I, we saw firsthand the way that business and finances touch our communities. And I saw it with my dad. He owns a shoe repair shop. So... No one one was was. fixing shoes at that time because no one was going anywhere. And the reality was that he still needed to pay the rent. He still needed to pay his bills, even if there was zero business coming in. And because I was 
at home, I was fortunate to be working in healthcare and I was an essential worker. I was helping my dad. And so I I, I provided financial assistance during that time. And I paid, I helped pay for the rent because I didn't want to see my dad lose the shop. And so I, I had this moment where finances became even more important for me because, well, I'm helping my dad, but I also still need to keep my own goals in mind as well because I had my student loans. And even though there was pause on the the interest, I was trying to figure out how can I bring this down? How can I pay this down as fast as possible? And uh, that's still very top of mind is paying off my loans. Like the day that I pay off my loans, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to feel. I really don't know because I'm going to be fully transparent. And I just, I, I say this because a lot of people, when they hear the, the amount, they're like, oh my God, like I feel so much better. <laughs> and I want people to be like, it, it's not bad. I own 170K in student loans right now. But I used to owe I used to owe 196,000 and so I've been paying it down especially because of the pause in interest and now that the interest is now that that's coming back which is uh, as of October 1st, you know, it's sort of making me a little bit nervous once again. But I because I've been thinking about it for a long time I, I feel like I'm prepared to sort of handle that again. But I was thinking about, okay, I want to help my dad. I want to help myself. How can I make more money? And it sort of became this it, it this ball of the this worry of the future became this ball of like business and finance and I'm going to help my dad, but I also want to start my business and I'm really close with my dad. So I really wanted to, to help other business owners as well. And that definitely the, this, this area, or I guess era in my life where I was thinking about finances definitely was a big point where my trajectory sort of shifted and uh, really was a big reason why I decided to start a business and I was helping my dad and it sort of became, well, I want, now I want to help everybody. <laughs> yeah. So you would say like your father was the very first client or that you were kind of like helping coach through this uncertain time. Yeah, yeah he, he was. was. And I'm still seeing... I'm still seeing the effects and the impact of that because when I started, I actually started to work with my father. During, uh, when I came back to L.A. from New York, I started going with him to the shop. And I would see just how low he would charge. And I started... You know, with my research and with my understanding of pricing and 
an break-even analysis, I started to let him know, Dad, you have over 30 years of experience with this. You need to charge not just for the time, but your expertise. Like you're an expert here and you have people, he has a shop in Diamond Bar. You have people coming from Santa Monica to come and get their shoes fixed because they trust you and they don't trust anyone else. And he has slowly seen that and has slowly started to to raise his prices and feel confident and sort of see the logic behind charging your worth and charging your expertise. And um, and so I feel really good about that because my dad is stubborn, um, but being his daughter and being someone that's been helping him think through why, think through the reasons why that's important and why there might be short-term loss, but it, there are long-term gains with that. And he's really starting to see that now. Your story um, reflects, I think, a lot of struggles um, that we see within our community. Um, BIPOC, queer, people of colors. Um, that... I don't know if this has to do with imposter syndrome, but there is this weird uh, discomfort when it comes to setting the price for certain items. Um, Mm -hmm. Would you say that's one of the areas that your customers kind of struggle the most with the idea of like, I have this knowledge. I know I'm good at this. This is what I should be charging but I feel like I can't charge that. Mm, yes. And I think it comes a lot from the fear of losing the client or fear of losing the customer because you build a relationship with a client and a customer and there it's almost... It almost feels a little when you make when you create that rapport, you don't want to to soil that by saying a price and then they get surprised or they get taken aback by it. And I've the way that I see it and the way that I like to explain it, not just to my dad but to my clients that I currently work with is when you are used to saying a specific price because you're there's fear around losing the sale or fear that this is the only customer or client that's going to come your way you're training your not only yourself but your clients to expect that moving forward and it's sort of like when we when we think about sales, you know, I I wait for a sale. I wait for things to go on clearance or to for things to go down in price if I know that that might be the case. And if you have that, if you create that expectation, then people will expect that 
moving forward. And there might be, like I said, short-term losses when you are doing that, especially if you've built a relationship. Because something that we saw was when we started raising our prices at the shop, for customers that have been going to my dad's shop for years, we're very surprised and have said, but I've been coming here for years. And I, and so that was hard for him. And so we sort of like came to this middle ground where I told my dad, I said, you know, I understand that there's this fear around customer loyalty, losing customer loyalty, but that fear is set on scarcity. And at the end of the day, you're a lot older, you're, but you're still a lot more experienced. And he will tell me all the time, I'm so old, <laughs> like I don't want to worry about this anymore. I'm, and I tell my dad, you don't have to. You put that on yourself. And so we have been working on on letting customers know this is the price. This is why there's expertise here. There's time that we take here. There's materials that we use. Even inflation goes into that, you know, and people will understand and say, okay, you know, and even though like, of course, there's always a disappointment, a bit of disappointment at the end of the day, the right customers will understand and the proper customers will understand. And you will see, you might see short-term losses, but you will see long-term gains. And it's, we're now just seeing that now. That's fantastic. Um, What are some of the struggles that people of color, people within our community hit when wanting to start their very own business? What have you noticed? I'm going to think about that because... I think it depends. I think it depends. But let me think about that. When I work with new business owners or people who are new to the idea of starting their own business, perhaps they've never seen anyone else in their family or or they have few few friends here and there that have started the biggest fear that I see is the fear of risk because when you put your savings or you put time and energy into something that you're not sure is going to to pay out to to pan out is uh, it's really tough to make that leap. It's really tough to to say I'm going to quit my job and or not necessarily just quit your job, but I'm going to actually try and see if this works because I don't think that people go into the idea of starting a business thinking that this is not going to work. Most people do it thinking that it should work. It's going to work. And and most people that are risk averse or who are maybe take their time to think about their decisions and deliberate over their decisions, deliberate if this is something that 
is a good decision. It's the fear of risk. But at the end of the day, that there's no certainty when you start a business. There's just no certainty. We've seen huge, huge conglomerate type of businesses start new projects and fail. You know, we see it with Google all the time with, you know, they had what did they have at some point? They had glasses. That like, oh, the famous Google glasses. Yes. The famous Google glasses. These are, these are conglomerate type of corporations that have money, that have resources, and have seen failed projects and products. And so it's very scary to be a, an individual, a person who has the, has an idea and not see themselves as these big type of corporate type of 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 businesses and take the same level of risk so, so that's, that's the, the biggest, biggest thing, thing that, that I, I see. see kind of creating your own brand almost yeah. right yeah yeah that that makes sense yeah. I wanted to touch a little bit on on your podcast um, how did the idea of starting your podcast kind of begin? Yeah, I have been wanting to start my podcast. Well, I have been wanting to start a podcast since 2017. And it, it was way before I even had the idea to start a business. And when this business started to, when I started to get I, I had a few beta clients and I had a few paid clients. And I think in my head, I really wanted to to grow with more intention, but also share in my journey a little bit more because I have a blog. So I I would like to say I'm a writer. I'm not there yet, but I will. But I do write. So I write a blog and but I also had the idea for this podcast when my close friend who started their own podcast, I saw them start their podcast and it gave me the boost that I needed to really think about it more seriously. Even though I had been wanting to start one since 2017, I think I just didn't know what to talk about or what the topic would be about and having this business gave me that opportunity and when I saw my friend do it I decided to also do it even though it took me a year after he started his podcast I still uh I was thinking about it and I I didn't have any excuse anymore because I had free resources at the library so Anybody who is in L.A. and wants to start a podcast, there are free resources at the library, a full booth and mic, and everything is there for you, for you to start and learn. And the software is there. So I had no more excuse, and I decided to go there and learn how to edit, how to record, and that's how it started. So I really wanted to bring my journey, give it more of a boost in terms of telling my story and sharing what I've learned uh, along the way. 
Yeah, I listened. There was one episode that really like spoke to me, which was where you talked about being an introvert and how hard it can be to be an introvert in like a business setting. Because I myself mm. am an introvert, <laughs> so yeah. which always throws people for a spin because my day job is in communications. I have to learn. Yes. I have learned to communicate effectively, thoroughly, over communicate, but that does take a toll on your overall energy when you are someone who is introverted so when I listened to the episode I was like oh my god there's another one because a lot of people are like I don't know what you mean by that and I'm like what do you mean what do you mean you don't you don't know what I what I mean but it's one of those things that unless you're an introvert yourself you it's really hard to kind of understand why sometimes we like to be by ourselves why we need to like recharge our batteries why in social settings will be like how many people how many how many people are going to be there because like how much mingling (laughs) am I going to have to do so it's one of those when I tell people uh my my parents had a hard time understanding my partner had a really hard time understanding because she is much more extroverted than than she is an extrovert and I'm the complete opposite but when I listened to the episode I was like yes for you know when you're an introvert and you meet someone else that is also an introvert, you feel seen. So that was like the episode that really, really spoke to me. Your episodes have a plethora of information for anyone who's wanting to kind of begin their own journey. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the questions that I, that I really wanted to ask is how has your culture shaped and inspired you to do what you're doing now? I'm really glad that you asked this question. And I want to take it back to one of the the first conversations that you and I had when we first met, because I don't think that I well let me let me just for some context I I grew up in LA I'm also Salvadoreña my parents came to the United States my dad came in the early 1980s and my mom came in the late 1980s I was born in 89 they met when I was uh in in they met in 1988 and they had me later there's a whole story there um it's a scandal but (laughs) like so so growing up you know I my my background and and my childhood my upbringing it's very I would say canon you know, like I grew up in LA, grew up in South Central, around a lot of black and brown niños and kids, and I felt so comfortable. And when I would hear other people talk about the hood, or like South Central LA, or like the hood in Los Angeles, I would always be like, people don't know what they're talking about. Like, I feel safe. You know, I feel comfortable. Uh, and so to me, it never, 
I never I felt like I never really thought about where I really grew up and, and came from until I think it was grad school and college that I started to think about that because I was culture I experienced culture shock going to Columbia University in New York. And that's when I really started to gravitate towards a lot more black and brown folks because we shared similar experiences and maybe I was trauma bonding (laughs) with a lot of people in grad school and I I feel like now this is as I'm starting this journey and that's why coming across you and your podcast I have been feeling this next era of it's not it's no longer me just relating my entrepreneurship to my experiences as a woman of color but also linking it to my cultural and and historical roots because I now I have this need and this urge to really learn about my culture and my people. And when I listened to your podcast, the last one, your letter to El Salvador, I wanted, I, I mean, I wanted to cry. I was like, oh my God, this is beautiful. And me being from El Salvador, I, or at least my parents, I, I feel like I, was first trying to navigate this idea of being in the United States and being a child of immigrants and first gen and now starting my own business. And now this next phase is me really coming back to those roots and examining that and really knowing my history because I didn't know my history. And now that I'm spending a lot more time with my dad, I'm asking him so many questions that I didn't think to ask him when I was growing up. And now I'm I'm asking, what was my grandma like? What was my grandfather like? What and he's te- he tells me stories and and so now I really want to connect back to my my culture, my Salvadorian culture. And have a, a a more intimate connection to that because I feel like assimilation played a big. <laughs> sorry, that was my dog. Assimilation played a big um, role for me growing up, and then I didn't actually realize that until I got to grad school, and uh, and so it was slowly learning about my identity and how I walk this earth and then now it's like okay now I know those things and I'm aware of that how can I further now deepen my connection to myself and the next further step for me is my culture and my history and so I think that's where I hope that makes sense. <laughs> it does. But, um, nothing like academia to make you feel 
a little out of touch where you're like, oh, what? this was not made for me, really. Yeah. There's, there's like this weird, uh, you said something when you mentioned that I was like, yeah, I remember feeling uncomfortable when I was in college because you start to look at things a little bit differently and you start to um, become aware of this message that was kind of really only intended for one group of people. And so you start to, to see things um, from a more critical standpoint. And I have heard other people say this, you know, sometimes some of us have had a professor who kind of like will go, will kind of clock your background a little bit or, or make it seem like that's a negative, which is terrible. It's especially when you're in, in, in academia and you're like, wow, you're okay. (laughs) You just, you just pulled the race card on, you know, and, um, which is very, unfortunate it shouldn't happen to anyone who is aspiring to be anything you know insert major or here or whatever your dream or your goal may be and I was not fully aware of assimilation until until I started working and I had other people that I would meet and the first comment that they would say would be like oh well you don't sound Salvadorian or you don't look you know you don't look latina or you don't look you know and i was like oh that's a little (laughs) i don't like that that makes me feel like it made me feel a little icky um oh god trauma bonding another one like everyone yeah yeah a lot of the guests that i've had i'm like yeah wow we've bonded over trauma you know we've built our own community over trauma but on the flip side to that, it also, I think, is is important to have these conversations because a lot of our families back home have this one concept and this one idea of what living in the States is like. And they're not aware of um, the microaggressions and micro-racisms that we as first-gen face or people of color face within the States. All they know is that so-and-so is living in La Usa and everything is dandy and they have things that they weren't, unfortunately, weren't able to have because their government and their system failed them. And now with um, the president that El Salvador has that has made so much of a positive change. There's a bit of criticism there too when it comes to women rights, when it comes to queer rights. But for the most part, he has really kind of turned things around. And now you're seeing a lot of people finally realize where El Salvador is on a map. Because I remember a time mm-hmm. where people would be like, where is that in Mexico? And it's like, well, you know, there's like a full continent on the south of Mexico. You know, and just kind of going, you guys see the world in one shade, like one lump, like they they lump us all together and they miss so much of our diversity, despite us speaking a lot of Latin American countries, you know, just having Spanish as their main as their main language. But there's dialects, you know, there's other languages, there's indigenous groups that still um 
speak their dialect and, and have their practice. And they have a rich culture that unfortunately has been stripped, has been stripped from us. So that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's where yeah, I think that's kind of like where my journey began too. Yeah. And I, I, for me, you know, when I, when I was thinking about what had, because a big question that I often come to come back to as I started this journey is how do I embrace my entrepreneurship identity? But I, now I've come to sort of really reflect on that and it's it takes me down a rabbit hole of wanting to like I said connect even deeper to my history and my culture and I want to say that I just want to say that listening to your podcast has really ignited that fire for me because I feel this this I I think because you know we're about the same age and like it it sort of makes me feel as if that that's what's next for me like in terms of thinking about identity on top of adding this entrepreneurship identity that I'm trying to figure out and navigate now I want to navigate and figure out this historical identity and this cultural identity that I don't think had the opportunity to reflect on growing up until later on, but there was so much other type of things that I was trying to figure out that it's sort of missed. Like I sort of missed that. And now I can come back to that. I can come back to that examination of my culture and how do I bring that out and how do I bring, bring that into my work? And so that's that's a question question that I'm I'm trying to to answer for myself now in this stage of my my journey. Thank you. I'm glad I inspired I inspired a little bit more of a deeper connection. One of the things that I think um, a lot of people perhaps are unaware. I don't. I wouldn't know if this is the same for other countries in Latin America who have a bloody history, um, particularly when it comes to the civil war, there's a lot of trauma, um, for our parents when it comes to speaking of the homeland. Um, there, I know people who just, their experience was so traumatic and the way that they left was so violent and so sudden that they refuse to look back and therefore their children know very, very minimal about their culture and why their parents left because they flat out just refuse to talk about it. And I see them as adults wanting to, to connect the dots, but there's a lot of like a lot of pain, I think, with with a lot of stories um and i think anyone any country who has had some political massive civil war or movement where there has been a large loss of life and um 
a system that has failed you so that you've had to leave, there's a lot of pain, unfortunately, there. Not to count on like the pain beforehand of of being conquered and um our native people being eradicated because our, our history is kind of like when you get down to the nitty gritty, you're like, Ooh, there's a lot of, it's a lot, it's a lot more bloody than, than, you know, you, we had once thought. Yeah. 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 And, and I'm starting, starting to learn that, you know, listening to you and your podcast and, and that's, what's really, like I said, igniting that need to learn more because we have, I have, I knew the reason why my parents came here. You know, I knew the underlying reason. But as a child, I didn't ask what happened, right? Like, I, I didn't ask, what was your experience there? And what did you see? And and it's still something, yeah, that I, I think, can be hard to to talk about at least with my own experience and my own parents and um but I'm my my goal is to connect to that whether even if not from their own stories but other people's stories yeah Oh, well, that's wonderful. Thank you for saying that. That's wonderful. Because all I honestly, apart from building community, I one of the messages that I always want to send is for those who listen, connect to your roots, connect, learn about your culture, learn about your history, learn about there's a lot of healing when you do that. And it's also like a nod to our ancestors to be like, we're still surviving, we're still thriving, even if it looks a little bit different than what they had foreseen so to speak so thank you for saying that for anyone who um is listening to this episode and is thinking about perhaps getting um going exploring the the option of starting their own business and working with a business coach what are a few tips that you can share yes so my my area focuses more on new entrepreneurs and people who are still getting into the idea of what it means to be an entrepreneur. There's a lot of stages when we talk about starting a business that starting point looks so different for everybody you know it's it some people will be like well for me starting a business is going down to the the state registry and registering my business and starting an LLC for others it's thinking about an idea or thinking about how to start a website or thinking about how to price my product that I created. And so I think the starting point looks so different for many different people. But if you are brand new to business and you want to start a business because you want to make your own money. And I started a business because I want to 
I wanted to create something from scratch. And if that is a value that you have, if your value is you want to create something that is yours, and it really doesn't matter if there's, uh, I mean, if if it's a business, you need to have revenue, right? Like that's what we call it. But if you really want to start your business because you want to create something that's yours, that's a, that's your own ideas, I would start with first reflecting. Reflecting on what brings you joy, reflecting on what did you even gravitate towards when you were younger? Because when you start this journey of starting a business, whatever your starting point is, you will come to this bridge of looking inward. And a lot of people are very uncomfortable with that. A lot of folks don't realize that entrepreneurship does require that you look inward. And that can be very uncomfortable. So if you take the time to reflect first on what you gravitate towards, what did you want to do when you want when you were growing up? When somebody asked you what did you want to grow up and you and some and what was your response? And it might be that I, like for example, I wanted to be a journalist, but I wanted to be a journalist because I liked reading and I liked writing and I liked to learn. That was a big value of mine. So look deeper into why you answered that way because if you wanted to be a chef was it because you liked creating and you liked being creative was it because you liked people that you liked serving people and liked hosting like what was the impulse behind it and so I would really advise people to reflect on early experiences how they answered and to look at the impulse behind it so that they can really start to do that work early on because you might want to start a business and you're like yes I want to make my own money and I want to not work for other people but if you don't do that inner work first you're you're going to get stuck and you're gonna get you're gonna find those internal barriers a little bit harder to break down down the road. So I would say do the work first if you're still sort of figuring out, if you're still kind of thinking about it, do that initial work first and and then start thinking about the idea and how to bring that to life because bringing something to life is so much easier when you have passion behind it and when you have when you already know why you want to do it and there's motivation behind it um you might start and quit and that's okay but you're going to it's going to take longer with each failure so I'm the type of person that likes to do work up front and then and then not have to worry about things later but Everyone is different. Everyone has different reasons for starting a business and how they go about starting a business. But my biggest thing is even if it's uncomfortable and it feels like you're wasting your time and you just want to go straight into going to the office and registering and getting an LLC, you know, I would say think about it first, do that work first, 
and then you can go into the nitty-gritty of bringing your idea to life. I think this is the first time that I've heard someone go, because usually what I hear is, go for it. But you brought up something so interesting, <laughs> which is like, yes, go for it. But kind of go to the drawing board, like drawing board first and really think about why it is that you're doing what you're doing, which I mean benefits of working with classic introvert yeah classic introvert and also benefits of like working with a coach you know of being able to bring a different perspective that perhaps you haven't foreseen or or haven't even thought about you know um yeah I this has been so much fun so much so much of a learning experience um where I'm like, do I want to start a business? Is this, I'm getting, I'm getting inspired. I'm like, I don't even have a product to sell. But um, yeah, there's, I want to say this before, before we close off, there is an energy and a calmness to you that it's very soothing. And I picked up on that when I was listening to your, to your podcast. Um, there's a soothingness to you. I don't know if, if your clients have, have said this, but there's a very like calm, um, nurturing energy that you have that I think, yeah, I mean, I can just see your business going far because when you are starting something new that you are unaware, that not that you're unaware of, that you are unsure of having that business coach and feeling like you have someone in your corner that's cheering you on and has your interest, you know, it, oh God, I'm the, your interest at best, you know, in their heart where they want to see you thrive as well. It's so important. And when it comes from someone who looks like you, speaks like you, um, you see your culture reflected buy it. It is so powerful. So thank you for creating space and being a reflection for people within our community to, to feel seen and have that support when wanting to learn about entrepreneurship. Yes. Well, thank you so much. I enjoyed talking to you about my experience and then what I've seen. And I definitely have received that comment before where my presence is very soothing and therapeutic so I and I feel like that way I think because I I've always been that way I and so but I want to thank you for bringing me on and sharing this and I'm excited to sharing your story as well yes so for those who are listening to us hop on over to her podcast because I will be on there as well. So we will have all of that information linked below. If you want to contact um, Beatrice and, and work with her, all of the information will be listed on where you can follow her, how you can get in contact with her. Please follow her on social media, as well as listen to her podcast because there is, if you're thinking about entrepreneurship, if you're thinking about wanting to work with a business coach, she is a person that you want to go to and her podcast is one that you definitely want to want to listen to so 
I want to thank you so much for sharing your voice and your energy with me. Y para todos los que mis audiencias que están escuchando hoy en día, muchísimas gracias y nos vemos en la próxima.